Welcome back, Literary Slummers, to another episode of Shelf Aware, the podcast where we're delving into books outside of our comfort zone. (laughs) Sorry for the long pause. (laughs) I'm Anna. And I'm Em. Uh, This week on Shelf Aware, we are covering Unit 2. Nope, not Unit 2. We are covering (laughs) Book 2 of our Survival Unit. Um, yes. A unit which we kicked off uh, about a month ago now, right? Between all the this and that. Yeah, and between submissions and animorphs and what yeah. have you. But we started it off with uh, Hatchet, which Anna brought to the table as an example of why she dislikes the genre. Yep. And we are going to get into uh, the book that we read this week in just a minute. But first, a little background on survivalism yeah as a genre or another name for the genre which i learned and which has to do with the book uh that we read this week robinsonade oh god yes Um, so why didn't they just call it boring as fuck (laughs) (laughs) um so there's the survivalism genre kind of is the larger genre and then robinsonade i don't know if we want to call this robinsonade like lemonade yeah Exactly like, like we're that. making books from the juice of Robinson. <laughs> yep, exactly that. <laughs> uh, Amazing. I think that's the actually the uh, linguistic root of it, yes. Um, I no. knew it. I knew my linguistics minor would come in handy someday. <laughs> no, it was actually uh, a German man who came up with the term um, in his novel, uh, and I'm probably about to butch- butcher this, uh, Thy Insel Felsenberg. Or the Island Stronghold, uh, which was written by Johann Gottfried Schnabel in 1731. And in the preface of that, he coined the term Robinsonade. Um, <laughs> although I don't know if it was that exactly or if it was something more German. I'm not sure. But he made the first glass of Robinsonade. Yes, he made the first glass of Robinsonade. So <laughs> since we're talking about Robinsonade, uh, Robinson Crusoe by Daniel Defoe, which is the book that we read this week, was kind of the first, um, maybe not the first book of this type, but the one that like kicked off this movement. And there were a lot of uh, people kind of copying this in the 1700s. So Robinson Crusoe, which was written in 1719 by, by Daniel Defoe. But at the time it was published, it was published as by Robinson Crusoe. So it was... (laughs) purported liars. to be yeah. liars yeah it was this purported like to be like a true Beatrice story sparks <laughs> <laughs> some future sparks bullshit so daniel defoe was uh, a writer but he more wrote like pamphlets and kind of like instructional work more than novels per se um and novels weren't really like well and like this this is a pretty early novel as far as novels go yeah, like the 17th century is where we first start seeing novels even become a, th- or not 17th century, 18th century, right? What is the 1700s? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is like when we start to yeah. see the novel even become a thing, really. So right. maybe some of this can be forgiven. It's just like they didn't know how to make books interesting, but also- they didn't know what was going on. <laughs> um, But you can see some of the things that Defoe brought to this work uh, kind of continue throughout the genre. There's a certain didacticism to it. Um. There's an emphasis on, like, individualism. People uh, really, really liked Robinson Crusoe. They thought it was a true story first, but then they liked it even when they found out it wasn't. Um, For some reason, they liked it. They didn't have television, (laughs) so they liked it. (laughs) And so, I tell you, I liked this book. (laughs) (laughs) And so a bunch of imitations sprang up, thus the Robinsonade designation of the genre and we're and when we talk about robinsonade specifically more than survivalism what we're talking about is the desert island story or the the uh castaway story so like hatchet would fit into that because it is one person who is although it's not always one person sometimes it's a group but it is a person who is transported away from society and then stuck there and they have to figure out how to live so that's basically what it is um the survival genre at large also includes kind of, especially as we get into more modern times with the Cold War era, there's a lot more of like um, fears of the apocalypse and stuff like that that come mm. up in the world ending. So it's like post-apocalyptic survival is also like a big thing in the survival genre at large. 
Um, oh, yeah. That's not as bad, though, I feel like, as the yes. Robinsonade. This unit is kind of more focused on Robinsonade. The yeah. this, uh, castaway story, there's, or, there's kind of like a, a increase in survivalism in general in the 60s. Um, but there was also kind of like a resurgence of Robinsonade type stories in, in that era. Um, it's used a lot in sci-fi, like The Martian is kind of like a Robinsonade that is oh, uh, yeah, more that. modern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or there's also like, obviously, it also shows up in like movies, many that are based on Robinson Crusoe um, and its various offshoots from the you know earlier years, but also like movies like Castaway, where, you know, mm. someone ends up on an island. And I feel like that is a lot more tolerable than in literature. Oh, my God. A hundred percent. Because at least like with a movie, you're like, man, I've got three hours here maybe max right mm-hmm. to tell a castaway story in a movie but like this book i really thought this book would never end i thought I, this was my hell this was interminable i'm it so was sorry 225 <laughs> pages long and it took me well the audiobook is 12 hours long if that gives you any indication of how long this book <laughs> actually is this book was bad <laughs> it was the most bad of anything we've read for this podcast. <laughs> it was pretty high up there in the annals of badness. I mean, the one thing I will say going into this is I had very like kind of preconceived notions of what this book would be. Mm-hmm, same. And I thought it would be somewhat bad in certain ways and I was prepared for it. And it just like blew it out of the water because 100%. number one, all of the plot points that like basically it i have i had never read this book before i'd only read the wishbone version (laughs) (laughs) robin hound Uh, crusoe (laughs) (laughs) but like the plot points i knew from this book were essentially guy gets shipwrecked on an island Mm -hmm. um becomes friends with a native person and they survive like that's what i knew of this book Mm -hmm. the shipwreck doesn't happen for the first like third of the book and then the, oh the whole, like, other people part doesn't happen until, like, the last third of the book. So yes, there was a lot book, of just Robinson. It was way too much at the beginning. Like, okay, they didn't know. You're, you're, a, you're, a, you're a pioneer in the days of novel writing. You don't really know, like, the best time to start a novel is when the action's starting. Not, like, 15 years before the action is going to start. <laughs> I don't need this guy's whole history to know that he wanted to go on a boat and the boat wrecked and he was stranded on an island. We don't need the background for that. <laughs> I also, I, I meant to look this up and I forgot. I was also wondering when I was reading this book, if this was published, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not periodically, but you know, like when they publish it, oh, like chapter yeah, by chapter. Uh, se- no, not sequentially. What is the fucking word? <laughs> They always talk about it with Dickens. Like when Charles Dickens used to write. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) What is that fucking called? (laughs) Um, But I was wondering if that was the case with this one because... He was paid by the word. (laughs) Everything. No, because everything was repeated. Like every single event got recapped 18 times. And I was like, this would make sense if I only had access to one chapter at a time. Yes. Right? But like Uh as a book that I was reading... It was all the way through. It was ridiculous. Yeah, Yeah, no, like, like I said earlier, like the phrase, like, and so I tell you, this is what I did, but I'll tell you more about it later. And then later in the book. So remember those things that I did tell you, I did them. And here's a little bit more about them. And so I tell you later on, I will tell you more about the goats, the fucking goats, the goats, goddamn goats. Trying to make rice, trying to make barley, planting trees so that his little fort is hidden. I don't, oh my god. It's just, how many times did he have to make a wall? How many times? How many? Oh my god. It was I awful. also, I do want to talk about this at the top, and I'm sure we'll, well, I'm not sure because I say that a lot and then we don't get into the thing I think we're going to get into, but um, maybe we'll get into this later as well. But I was, like I said, I had preconceived notions about this going in. Mm-hmm. I knew this book would be kind of racist because it was like from the 1700s <laughs> yep. and dealing with white people going to a non-white area. I yep. was not prepared for how fucking nope. racist this book is. And not just like racist, but very casually so. Just like, mm-hmm, yeah, 
you know, gonna go get some slaves now. Bye. So Going to Africa. Racist. Getting some free slaves. <laughs> Can't, don't want to oh. pay for my slaves. <laughs> Oh my god. How do you think you're going to get those slaves, Robinson? <laughs> oh my god. I think this his whole like shipwreck thing was just like karma for everything that he thought. No, because that's the other thing. This book is super religious, right? Because like yes. I said, oh yeah, he does you know, find God on this. Defoe island. is it was like a pamphlet writer who was like all about religion. So like mm-hmm. this book is hella religious. And he comes to the opposite conclusion. He's like, thank like this wasn't punishment. Like this was God giving me an opportunity to like learn and be better. And I'm like, okay, or maybe it's punishment for the slave thing after you yeah. were yourself enslaved. What the actual <laughs> fuck? <laughs> oh my God. I just, oh, he's so, he has the time to become so self-aware and yet just. He doesn't. Doesn't. He doesn't. And he's, he is the most garbage like aside from the, the racism and the slavery garbage man he's so garbage he's so he's boring his interior life is like nothing <laughs> oh and he's just God. stupid he's stupid and trusting of everyone and because they're white it works out it's so fucked yep, yep. oh my god <laughs> it's terrible also i think the word was serialized yep that's it thank you <laughs> That came to me. I didn't want to interrupt your yelling, but then I couldn't think of anything else for fear I would forget the word again. <laughs> it was important. It was extremely important. Um, so would you recommend this book to a particular reader, type <sighs> of reader? Um, okay, I, I've made this type of recommendation before, before we even did recommendations, but I think I'm going to do it for this one too. Mm-hmm. The same type of reader as Little House on the Prairie, where if you yeah. are reading it for historical context, if you are like, I want a viewpoint of what type of propaganda was available in the early mm-hmm. 1700s. This is a good example. But like, if you're reading it for like, and again, I do understand there's like, it's part of the canon if you believe in the canon and like. No, it's overhyped. It's Come super on. overhyped. This book was so bad. It was just written by a white guy. Who the fuck cares? But if you want like an example of an early novel, okay. Like, sure. If you're reading it for like sure. scholastic reasons. If you're reading it for fun, just don't. Like, <laughs> don't, don't know. There, there was a lot better examples of books that were written during this time period, and even like if you do want to go for that moralizing thing, there's lots of books about loose women you could read and the terrible things that befell them. So go that route <laughs> instead of reading about the white guy who wanted to go get slaves, and then instead of making a friend, made a servant. At, I just. Mm. Yeah, it's real bad. It's real bad and real icky. It's really bad. Don't. But also, importantly, very boring for a long stretch of time. Yes, that's the other thing. Like, why waste your time? Like, at least Little House on the Prairie books are short. Mm -hmm. And the font is very big. Mm -hmm. And there are pictures. And there are pictures and paragraphs. There's, like... Dialogue. Breaks for dialogue. I just... (laughs) This was... This was so much worse than I thought it was going to be. (laughs) I skimmed so much of this. I cannot tell a lie. I was going to say, I feel like it's kind of lying to say I read this book so much as I scrolled through this book on Project Gutenberg for a set amount of time. (laughs) I listened to the first six hours on the audiobook. I started at 1.25 speed, Mm. but then had to bump it up to one and a half speed, which is, you know he's it was still it was still so repetitive and then i was trying to listen to it while i was playing civ 6 um because i was like kind of in that mindset i was like "Mm, colonialism better play civ (laughs) 6 while i'm listening to this um and i totally like tuned out for probably like two hours and came back and i was like nope still trying to build your wall (laughs) okay there there were good sections of this where i was just like I'm going to do like that thing that college professors tell you to do when you're reading a big chunk of text. I'm just going to read the first sentence of the paragraph. I'll yep. get the yep. general idea. <laughs> oh, God. And my my copy of this, because I bought it on the Kindle for 60 cents, mm. was not, there was no chapters. <laughs> It oh, was really? just one huge block of text. Oh, no. Because there definitely are <laughs> but chapters. But then I was listening to the audiobook and the guy was like, chapter eight. I was like, <laughs> what? where are my chapters? Because 
because that was the one thing that kept me going was knowing that there were 20 chapters in this so I could be like okay that's oh, chapter no eight only 12 more <laughs> I was just looking at the bottom of my kindle it was like you have six hours left of this book and I was like kill me please please <laughs> release me we were all Robinson Crusoe trapped on an island oh my god <laughs> Oh, I did not want to drink the Robinsonade. <laughs> okay, I think if I, I don't know if I would suggest this to anyone, to be truthful. I think this is one of those books that because people have said it was good for so long, it's just people think it's still good. And I mean, I think it can be just like all of those other, like, books that didn't really make it into the literary canon. Right. Leave it behind. Um, there's, like I said, there's a lot more better, there's a lot more better books <laughs> written by a lot more better people. No, um, there are more interesting books that came out of this time period. It was a very cool, like, they figured out how to write a novel in this century, and then they were like, let's fuck up the whole novel writing thing. So there's, like, a lot of really cool experimental stuff you could go to that's not this, so just ignore it. Just maybe <laughs> give this one a pass. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I'll talk about the summary so that you can give it a pass. We did the hard work here for you. Either that or like watch a movie of it, read the Wishbone book, (laughs) whatever. If that book, if it was available on the Kindle store, I would have 100% read that instead of this. Or like I was reading about in my research, like Mm -hmm. Robinson Crusoe kind of like kicked off a lot of children's literature. Like, Mm -hmm. because you know, like children's literature is kind of like, sort of not a thing always as much as it is now um yeah, yeah, but at the time like a crap ton of people were abridging this for kids because like oh. it was like this is the book for boys and boys will love it and it was also oh, like seen as kind of appropriate for girls because so much of the shit he does is like domestic work so they were like it's oh. good for boys because adventure and it's good for girls because he learns to sew <laughs> so, you like, can learn to sew as well <laughs> So there's something for everyone in this time before television. But yeah, pointing that there's a lot, there still is a lot of like abridged versions of this for kids. Yes. I'm sure. Illustrated. I had, I'm trying to think of like what the, what the publisher is that does all those like illustrated abridged classics. Mm. I had, I had a few of those growing up. This might've even been one of them, but. Are you talking about like those white ones that are like. Yeah, that's like that weird hardcover, but it's like plastic hardcover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I remember that because, like, I was super into the Ivanhoe version of, uh, the Ivanhoe one of that because the way that they illustrated the girls was hot. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) An early sexual awakening. I loved that book. (laughs) Ivanhoe, am I right? Ivanhoe! (laughs) Uh, That's also a book I haven't read the full version of and probably won't. (laughs) No one sent that in as a submission. Please thank you. So, basically, our boy Robbie, he decides that living a nice, calm, middle-class lifestyle (laughs) where he practices law is not for him, so he wants to go and become a sailor. But his dad is like, no, don't do that. That's not a good idea. You're going to be, you're going to be overcome with misery if you become a sailor. And Robbie's like, whatever, pops, and runs away from home at the age of 20. (laughs) (laughs) Things were different. (laughs) and he's like makes it a point to be like i didn't do shit like my dad tried to get me to do jobs i didn't do anything i I just i just ran away from home at the at the ripe old age of 12 and like honestly he didn't say anything to his parents he just like fucking got on a boat that did end up wrecking eventually i mean he he had the conversations with them before he ran away which i only want to bring up just because i think it's the only time that a woman says any words in this book yep (laughs) and it's his mom and it's essentially like his mom's like well i want you to be happy but you should do what your dad says and then like cannot go against what your father has counseled yeah 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 like his narrative is like (laughs) my mom was never gonna take my side over pops he ran to her apron strings mama mama i would like to go a sailing please mama (laughs) did you ask your father mama daddy says that i must be middle class (laughs) Oh my god. Ugh. So he 
goes on just one disastrous sailing after another. So many of the boats he's on just like become destroyed. When is this guy going to get a clue? I don't know. Like, <laughs> he's so stupid, but he does end up making some money. So he's like, worth it. <laughs> I've almost died like 10 times, but it's worth it. Uh, so after doing this for like, I thought this was going to be the book, but then it wasn't. Hmm. He goes to Brazil and he starts up a plantation. Well, I I want to say during that part, because it mm-hmm. is important, I feel, to understanding how terrible a person Robinson is. One of the times when he almost dies is that he gets taken as a slave by... Uh, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is like a long part of the book, too. Um, He gets taken as a slave uh, by the Moors, I believe, which, you know, uh-huh. there's a lot to unpack there. Um, <laughs> and... He escapes and in the process enslaves another, like takes with. Yes. I think that kid was also a slave. So like maybe not terrible of Robinson at this point because it was like a lateral move. Um, He's, I just sold him and he was fine with it. Was right, he? right, right. He like takes him with him. And then when they get picked up, the captain of the ship is like, oh, yeah, I'll buy your, your kid. And Robinson's like, mm, I don't know, like. I feel kind of bad because he like helped me get my freedom and I don't know if I could curtail his freedom. And then Zuri, the little, the boy is like, nah, it's cool. <laughs> no, I want to be a slave again. <laughs> All right. But like, cool. it's okay because the Portuguese captain gave him an indentured servitude with the possibility of going free if he converted to Christianity. So it's fine. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, that white man's burden, I swear. It's all really good in the 1700s. <laughs> he wasn't going to get a better deal. Let's, Let's be real. <laughs> oh, gross. So <laughs> he goes. He makes it to Brazil with the help of this captain. And he starts up a plantation. And he's living he that good middle class life for a while. As one does on a plantation. But then his friends are like, hey, you want to sail to Africa so we can sneak some slaves into the country? And of course, Robinson is like, fuck yeah. 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 I got to get back out of those open seas. It's worked out so well for me the last eight times. Oh my God. Nothing terrible will happen this time, I promise. So Ugh. they do that. But something terrible happens. Their ship is struck with some kind of hurricane type tragedy. And it wrecks itself on some South American or Caribbean island. I think, so from what I've read, I think this was like off the coast of Chile or something, but because they have, don't they have an island that they, they've renamed Robinson Crusoe Island or something? I mean, it's possible. I, I, I assumed it was like South-ish because there are penguins and like that's only in the kind of like Southern part of like, there's not, like, penguins in the Caribbean, I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure. So I assumed it was pretty far south, but I don't know exactly where. Chile is that long boy, so yes. I think it could go, potentially go very south. But I heard, so he says that he's in the Caribbean. That's uh-huh. what Friday tells him later on right. in the book. We're in the Caribbean. But then I read, like, one, I, I don't know if it was, like, Wikipedia or somewhere where I was, like, looking up a plot summary just in case i missed anything important which i didn't but they said it was chile yeah chile and that they have an island there called robinson crusoe island but then another source said it was off the coast of trinidad and tobago which well let me see because the one opposite. thing the one thing we know for sure is that it's by the orinoco river right so let me see where that is oh yeah find out where that is let's see Okay, so that is in Venezuela. Okay, which is closer to Trinidad. Yes. Yeah, so well, then I don't know. Okay, what... so it's like at the. Okay, so it's it's at like the top part of South America near the Caribbean is where this is, I guess, taking place. But that makes no sense because I don't think there are penguins there. I've done a lot of wildlife-based locating during the Animorphs run. So I feel like this is bullshit. And also, why the fuck were they even going that way? That's not how you go to Africa from Brazil. What were they doing? 
that was a really bad hurricane. It was a very bad hurricane. I don't know. Well, you know, they didn't have Google Maps back then. So it yeah. was kind of just like if they got to Venezuela, they would have been like, we made it to Africa. <laughs> I kind um, of assumed that was the whole Caribbean thing. Like I was like, oh, they're probably somewhere south, and he's just saying Caribbean because like Defoe doesn't know what countries are. You know? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why they wouldn't just go straight east. Like, like we gotta stop off in Puerto Rico. <laughs> Triangle trade, ma'am. Like, oh no. Why did they go north so far? I don't know. Oh my god. So, and I, I was looking at Robinson Crusoe Island, and I guess it's what they think the author was inspired by, mm. but, so I don't know. He lands somewhere. Unfortunately. And you know what? He's he's there alone by himself. Everyone else dies. And at first he's like, oh, what was me? Why couldn't I have died with everyone else? Which like, same. <laughs> but then later on, he's like, I found God and God is the one that that saved me so that I could learn how to believe in him because I've never been a religious dude in my life. This was all very hatchet. Like there was a lot of stuff in here that I was like, all right, Gary Paulson, you just like straight went for it. But I guess just probably it was that right out. It probably was just like the genre more than like a one-to-one, but like the whole, okay, yeah. get shipwrecked, do some basic survival stuff for a little while, have a dark night of the soul, come to realize that you are the perfect human the who is meant one. to survive on this Island and then survive on the Island. Like, okay. Yeah. Become the badass of the island. Become the best island boy. So, spoiler alert, Robbie lives on this deserted island for 28 fucking years. And we have to hear about all of them. (laughs) We have to hear about each year. And it's really cool because we get to hear about this fucking journal that he was able to write. But... (laughs) So the thing with the journal, he writes in this journal until he runs out of ink, okay? And so the journal is like, gotta be super exact because, you know, like, he he doesn't bother glossing over the more boring parts of his Mm -hmm. journal. He just gives us the whole thing. But then within the journal, so he's, like, narrating these journal entries to us. But then he, like, breaks off and has his own tangents. And then later on in the journal, he talks about those tangents that he broke off of later and it, why yeah i don't think they had copy editors yet i think is the thing. no that definitely <laughs> probably was not an occupation i also really okay with the journal this was like the moment where i was like oh no fuck this book because he introduces the journal first off the whole book should have just been the journal that would have made a lot 100 percent. but whatever he introduces the journal he's like i kept a journal i wrote such things in the journal as and then like explains what he wrote in the journal basically word for word and he's like anyway here's my journal and then we had to reread the thing he just told us he wrote in the journal i cannot tell you how weary i grew reading this book (laughs) just like experiencing it the way that i did it was awful (laughs) it was so painful and i'm just like and also, I really enjoyed the fact because this this journal was stupid for many reasons. But he also only did it for a little bit, and then he ran out of ink or whatever. Uh-huh. But then, when, which I was like, why don't you just use blood? Or, or I think it's so funny because he's like building a castle. Okay, not a castle, but like building a fortification and like creating agriculture on this island and whatever, and being this ubermensch and whatevs. <laughs> but like when he gets rescued, the guy's like, oh, hey. You couldn't figure out how to make ink out of charcoal? Like, what are you doing? Like, you couldn't figure out how to write with charcoal? Like, what's up, dude? Um, or all those grapes you're drying out for raisins? Why didn't you use some of the juice for ink? Like, what are you doing? Why did? Why couldn't you figure it out? And it, it's like Defoe was like, I gotta give this guy some sort of weakness so that, uh, you know. <laughs> he's pe- turning into too much of a Gary stew he's here. too good at this. Oh, you know what? <laughs> he won't be able to figure out the ink thing. Like, okay. <laughs> that, that, and you know what? It's going to make my book shorter, but I can live with that sacrifice. We all can live with that sacrifice. Can you imagine if he had to read the whole thing as his journal? I would have just read the journal entries. I would have skipped everything else. You wouldn't have needed anything else. Because it would have just been repeating the things that were in the journal entries. Yeah. So, you guys, he made shelter and he got food and he made more shelter and got different kinds of food. And then because of the grace of God, he was able to find more food. It was just 
so much. So many shelters. He had so many shelters. He was able to have a castle and a country home. Mm-hmm. He called them those. And then, like, another fortification. He tried to make boats. I mean, okay. You're on this island by yourself for a good 20 years. Yeah. 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 You don't try and make a boat by yourself before then. Right. You gotta wait until you got a servant to do all the hard stuff. This is my thing with these books in general. Because this was it with Hatchet, too. Where I'm Uh just like, I feel like if I ended up getting stranded on a deserted island or in the middle of the Canadian wilderness or whatever, Mm -hmm. like my first instinct would not be let me make this my domain and live here and like like i I get like okay they have to do some level of basic survival stuff Mm -hmm. but like i would definitely be more like trying to find a way out of the situation well before i created like agriculture i think he's so content he's just like this is my life now yes (laughs) and especially when you tack on the fact that you can see the mainland from this island, but he doesn't want to go to there because savages, savages, <laughs> barely even human. <laughs> He's scared of what's different. I I can't fault him for that. Because, yeah, like, I don't know. Maybe as a white man, you should be a little bit wary about, like, rolling up on some <laughs> other culture. Maybe that's an instinct we should all chase. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but his expression of it generally was pretty racist. Yes, 100%. Um, but then also we find out later that, like, so there was another shipwreck that he, I don't know, like, he kind of grapples with the fact of whether or not he caused the shipwreck and everyone wanted to die. And maybe we he should have thought about that a little bit more than he did. But um, there's another shipwreck later in the book where a bunch of, like, I think it's Spanish men. Yes. Or, yeah. They, they're all shipwrecked and they all go to the mainland. And you know what? They just get along with the native population and they're all friends and they live there for a few years with their help. Well, I think, like, there's kind of some... Some uh debate over exactly how because okay so like friday eventually tells him oh yeah they're hanging out with the natives and they you know they treat him really well and it's great and it's fine but then when the one spaniard does show up he's like no like we've got no clothes and we're really upset about it like so i think it's kind of like maybe they weren't in such a good situation and also they wanted to get home really bad because that was the whole thing with like friday's dad going off to, to get them back and whatever um but I mean, yeah. we don't meet most of them, and their interior lives don't matter because Robinson Crusoe's interior life barely matters. So, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I just twenty-eight years. You didn't once try to venture out. No, you got guns, man. He did have guns, and he used those guns a lot, which made me wonder exactly how much ammunition was on that ship. He said a lot. He had like at least one barrel that was like sixty pounds worth of whatever it was and he had multiple barrels so i don't know dude (laughs) so he goes about his existence for 15 years not thinking a thing of it just imagining he's the only person for miles around then he sees a footprint (gasps) which at first he's like the devil is here with me and he's like oh no maybe it's just a person (laughs) (laughs) maybe it's like that old poem you know like when you see the footprint on the beach that is where god carried you like yeah when you only see one set of footsteps <laughs> but when you see one set of footsteps by itself where you never were it's, it's where the, the devil. devil is haunting you yes <laughs> um but the thing about the local population is that everyone is a cannibal so he he sees the footprint and instead of things happening no Because he sees that footprint, we instead get to spend the next few years of Robinson's life being super paranoid about it. And he builds even more fortifications. And there's a lot of internal rumination about whether or not he will and should murder these people if he sees them again. Because on the one hand, they are cannibals and they did do murder to other people. But then on the other hand, they're just... They're just so stupid. They don't know. They don't know that cannibalism is bad. So how can I kill them for their ignorance? So this whole thing, it was like an interesting, again, from the like historical perspective about viewpoints and stuff like that. 
is an interesting kind of like thought about cultural relative relativism that it's like okay in his culture murder is bad in their culture maybe it's not and they haven't done anything to him so is he justified to kill them right Mm -hmm. so it's like okay Mm -hmm. that's cool but like also i feel like it was all really just kind of a way for this english writer to dunk on spanish people right because it was Mm -hmm. like every time he brings it up he's like you know i had come to this place and these people i didn't understand their ways and i could murder them all with my guns but then would i be a good person because remember the spanish and how they came to the americas and those america well i mean he didn't say americans but you know the indigenous yeah. populations he didn't say that either um were nope were doing he really just fucked like up shit like eating each other and the spanish killed them all and we all think that's bad the spanish are very bad we don't like what they did it was bad and wrong and the spaniards the are murderers not good um so it's like is this really like the author being aware that like other cultures have their own like mores and arm we can't like impose our mores on them which i don't know i kind of feel like cannibalism might be one that we can kind of ignore cultural relativism but i don't know um <laughs> Or is it just like, again, this is an English writer and he wanted to dunk on the Spanish because like y'all weren't doing good shit either. Like this was fully, you were writing this fully in the 1700s. Like you guys had genocided a lot of Native Americans at this point. A ton. So like. I think the question we have to ask Daniel Defoe is if his religion sees, (laughs) if his religion hates people of color more. Or Catholics. <laughs> it is the age-old question. Weird. And I think for, for Daniel Defoe and therefore Robinson Crusoe, the answer was Catholics. Yeah, I mean, like, well, for real, because, like, this is the argument that the book makes, right, with Friday, is that, yeah. like, well, they might be pagans, but it's just because they don't know better. Those dirty Catholics, they're they're real fucked up. They yeah. know better. <laughs> and later at the end of the book, he's like, should I move to Brazil? No, I'd have to become a Catholic. And I don't want anything to do with that shit. No. Fuck that noise. They'll kill me over there if I don't become Catholic. I lived among cannibals, but like, fuck the Catholics. <laughs> oh, my God. Which I mean, like, as a, you know, person raised in Catholicism, like, I do get it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so this was this was probably about sixty percent of the book, but then comes Friday. Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday because I think, honestly, personally, like I know how you could talk about how language has changed or whatever, mm-hmm. but the way gay. that Robbie, gay. Robbie, the way that Daniel it's Defoe gay. wrote about Robbie it's and Friday, they were totally in fucking love. <laughs> they were um, gay. Here was the thing. I was actually going into this expecting to ship them because, like, yeah, basically all books from the 1700s this era, like, there's just so much latent homosexuality because of, you know, the way that language changes and the fact that people didn't hang out with women ever. So, like, all of their emotional desires had to be, you know, focused on men because it was very unhealthy. Anyway, um <laughs> women weren't real people so like the only thing that you could like form the only emotional thing you could do was love was men. men uh but <laughs> i was kind of expecting it but then like it was just so gross that i couldn't even like enjoy the homoerotic subtext oh yeah no so like robinson crusoe when he goes to like save friday so basically what happens is that Robbie's minding his own business one day when a group of native people decide to take their prisoners to the shores of his island for the purpose of feasting upon them. And one of the prisoners escaped. So, like, Robinson Crusoe's like, mm, hands off, I let them live, they'll let me live, whatever. But one of the prisoners escapes and is chased by three men. So, Robbie just kills them all with his gun and with his gun with his magic boomstick and then instead of like being like oh finally like a friend companionship i'm so happy that there is another person on this island i can communicate with he's like ah yes the servant i have earned (laughs) well anna we can't blame robbie because friday wanted it okay oh my god let's talk about this (laughs) this is literally friday won it the only thing that i took a screenshot like because i didn't i wasn't reading this on my kindle so i couldn't take notes like i usually do this is the only thing i took a screenshot of was when friday does this shit when friday lays he like bows 
to <laughs> he bows to Robbie, puts his head in the dirt, and takes Robbie's foot and puts it on his head mm-hmm. in a symbol of servitude. Well, in a symbol of servitude, Robinson thinks. Number one, Robinson he does thinks, this yes. shit in Robinson's constantly, constantly. Friday is doing is like doing shit pantomiming whatever and robinson's like i understood perfectly what he meant and it's like oh yeah no you've known him for three days you just they have like these complex conversations too he's like and i knew that friday meant that he would go down to the beach and he would dig all the holes for all of the bodies and lay them to rest no you didn't i knew friday meant he would never eat the flesh of humans in front of me ever again no it seems like you're projecting a little bit there yep yeah and you know what? He doesn't even teach Friday his name. He just is like, I'm master. And that's what you'll right? call me. And he gives Friday a name. Doesn't ask him what his name is. And oh, yeah. No. Just, okay. The the thing that frustrated me so much, more than more than the, like, foot thing, although that was fucked up. Um, yes. Was Robinson starts to teach Friday to talk. And it's like, blah, 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 flash, flash forward a little bit. Friday has learned English. Robinson doesn't even fucking try to learn whatever language Friday's speaking, which would be oh, like- no, never. The like, obvious thing You think thing that might do. be a good idea, considering you have cannibals coming to your island? So maybe it would be, like, advantageous for you to, like, understand what they are saying and not be reliant on this one person to translate, you absolute fucking moron? Yeah. No. Mm-mm. I, re- oh, I wish he'd given Friday that gun and then Friday would have turned around and been like, pop, pop. No, but see, Friday just like loves him so much and like so wholly devoted to his Robbie. He knows that he is supposed to be in servitude to this white man because like he's a white man and he knows about religion and stuff. And oh like God. he teaches him about religion, even though like Friday fully had his own religion that like Robinson's just like, nah, your religion's stupid and made up and dumb. Unlike my really good Unlike religion. Mine. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then there's this part where like Friday is like, I miss my people. And Robbie gets all moody and jealous and like starts to treat Friday a little bit poorly. Then Robbie's like, go then Friday, go be with your people. And Friday's like, I'd rather die than leave you. And then, so then he's like, but you could come with me. And Robbie's like, "Mm, I don't know. I think your people might try to eat me. And Friday's (laughs) like, no, they'll love you because you'll teach them about God and speaking and not eating meat. I'm just like, ew. Okay, okay, okay. The eating meat thing, right? Because like, or eating, eating Oh, I mean, not eating men, not meat. They eat other meat. Right. Because Robinson's like, I'm going to teach Friday. That eating human meat is bad and eating other meat is good. And he like gives him some goat meat and is like, mm-mm, Friday, isn't that delicious? And it's like, okay, what you are postulating here is that there is a group of people who only ever eat human meat. And that is yes. impossible. That is not what is And happening. also untrue. <laughs> the fact that you think it is, is insane. Like, that would not work from a logistical standpoint. They would run out of people, obviously. Obviously. But um, he couldn't make ink out of charcoal. <laughs> He's too dumb. But, like, he was right because he gives fucking Friday the goat. And Friday's like, mm, goat's good. Guess I'll stop mm, eating tasty. people. Y'all never thought to eat goat before. Okay. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. I believe that 100%. Oh, my God. So, anyways, Robbie and Friday live together for a few years, fall in love. Robbie teaches them to speak English, whatever. And eventually, the cannibals come back to the island with more prisoners to dine upon. But this time, one of the prisoners looks and dresses European. Ah! So, Robbie obviously has to slaughter all of the cannibals and save the European man who happens to, I think he's the Spanish person. Yeah. yeah. The Spanish men we were talking about earlier. He's one of them. Cause there's like Friday's group of people. And then there's like another group of people and they get in fights and they take prisoners. And that's the group of people like Friday's group of people also eats people, but like this other group of only people, people they've defeated in battle. Yeah. Which again, Seems like an inefficient food source if it's, like, a food source thing and not, like, a ritualistic thing, which is usually what cannibalism is, but whatever. Yes. <laughs> Robbie couldn't be bothered to ask a single question no. of how Friday lived his life before meeting him. I mean, it's fine. It's not, it's not like he would have gotten answers because I'm sure there were linguistic gaps that couldn't be explained in English. Ugh, God. 
So they save the guy, and then they also save another one of the prisoners who ends up being Friday's dad. So that's cool. <laughs> and they're all like, "Let's now that there's four of us, let's make a boat to get away from this place. And also, so they start to do that. And then the Spanish guy is like, hey, I've got a lot of friends over on the mainland. So let me and Friday's dad, who has some kind of relationship with them, sail there to bring them back. And you'll have a whole crew to pilot your ship. It'll be great. So Robbie allows them, as king of this domain, he allows them to go back to the mainland. He gets real, real heavy into the I'm in charge thing at this point. He really does. It's a problem. Um, but I, I mean, like, if you're alone on an island for that long, I feel like you start to have a lot of delusions. Yeah, and, so, and like, you'd want your things to be just like, I do get it as a person who lives by myself. Like, you know, <laughs> you, you get a little bit like picky about how you want your things, but you gotta you gotta adjust to other humans. I had to wait till Emma allowed me to use the bathroom at her place <laughs> last time. And there was like a whole big ceremony and I had to put my head on the floor and her foot on my head so I could pee. It's <laughs> like a big thing. Oh no. Uh, but eventually I bought my freedom. <laughs> it's okay. Uh <laughs> So <laughs> they go over to the mainland, but while they're gone, this big ship rolls up on the island and it's full of Englishmen, which is super cool. But it turns out the crew has mutinied against the captain. So <laughs> Robbie and Friday go down and they're like, yo, captain, what's up? And he's like, I need you to kill these two mutineers so that the rest of the crew will come back to my side. A lot of stuff happens. And I don't understand why so many people died. How many people died? Many who was fighting who? This gets very muddled here. It was also very confusing because, and I'm not sure, I read it like, this was probably the thing I paid the most attention to because I was confused. Mm-hmm. Was there another guy named Robinson? Yes. Okay. Why? I think it was like Will Robinson. <laughs> Why, if danger, you have, Will like, Robinson? Danger. Five characters in your book. Would you name two of them Robinson? They didn't have that many names back in the seventeen hundreds. <laughs> you were either a Rob or a Friday. Just call him Robert, at least. <laughs> Robertson, something. Robert, yeah, Dread Pirate Roberts. <laughs> so. <laughs> So there's a lot of fighting here and a lot of, like, trickery to get all of these other people on their side. And, like, a scene where Robbie pretends he's, like, the governor of this island and that the island is under English control and that they're going to kill the mutant. I don't know. None of this made sense to me. Defoe was very bad at writing action scenes. Uh, it's, almost, didn't... it's almost like most of his book was completely devoid of action and he got to this part and was confused. Yeah, he was like, uh-oh. <laughs> oh my god, things are supposed to happen? How write about this? I'm just gonna keep having guys and ships appear, and they'll just have to keep tricking them, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, they get the boat. They get control of the boat, and the captain's like, what can I do to help you for saving my life? And Robbie's like, take me back to England. So they go. And I'm like, but wait. There's still You more- didn't make any mention of going to pick up your Spaniard mm-hmm. friends. Mm-hmm. No, he he... He, they leave the mutineers on the island. They're like, they trick them into going to the island and then they get the boat and they get people back on their side and whatever. And then they tell the mutineers, they're like, here's how I survive. There's going to be some Spanish guys coming by and they're going to want to Oh my God, leave. they totally fucked them over. Right? It's like, okay, okay. So like. Why couldn't you just gone to pick them up? Because I think he was worried that they had already like left. So it would be like one of those things where it's like ships passing in the night, like, you know. Oh, my God. That is so infuriating to me. Like, I hope someone came back for them. But I guess they had to have because at the end of the book, we learned this becomes a Spanish colony. But probably just because those Spanish men just stayed there and like made a life for themselves. <laughs> I don't know. That part's fucked up, though. <laughs> I mean, I think this is this might be a thing that I'm willing to forgive because of the time period where I'm like, okay. He could stay there with the mutineers, then they'd probably like go back to mutinying or something and wait for the Kill Spanish him. guys to show up. Or he could like go try to get the Spanish guys, but then like they might miss each other because like ships and they don't have cell phones and can't text each other, like, hey, on my way. Yo, where you at? You know? I don't know. So I, I was I was willing to forgive Robinson of this, one of his many crimes. <laughs> Everybody gets one. <laughs> 
know. <laughs> that guy stayed with him an extra six months to help him like expand his agriculture business so they would have enough food for everybody on this boat they were gonna make. Like, <laughs> dude, fucked him over. It's fine. He's a bad guy. We all know it. he's a bad man. So then you're like, yay, the book's done. Robinson was saved. No. The book's not done. There's still like 30 pages of this book. We have to know what happens to his finances. Of course. So they get back to England, but there's nothing there for him now. His parents are dead and he only has two sisters and neither of them are rich. So he fucks off to Lisbon because he's got that captain friend that lives there. And Robbie finds out that his old Brazilian plantation is still still at it and is making him a shit ton of money. And he's like mega rich now. Um, so he's like, should I move there? And they're like, no, 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 that's where the Catholics are. So I guess I just, I have no choice but to sell my plantations and move back to England, I guess, now that I'm like an earl or something. I don't know. <laughs> and then like, okay, so like, this whole situation is just mind boggling to me. That he was gone for 30 years. And again, this is the thing. It's like, he doesn't do anything to get, he does nothing. He set up this plantation 30 years ago, worked on it for like two years, maybe, and then like left to go pick up some slaves. And like everyone's like, oh, yeah, totally. We'll give you all your money from this plantation. Like, it's totally fine. Yeah. Even though we did all of the work to make it this good. Yeah. It's like when he got picked up by the captain in the first place after he was enslaved and Mm -hmm. the captain's Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, it's totally fine. You don't have to pay me for transport. I'll like totally give you a bunch of stuff and it'll be totally fine. Like, yeah, here's a bunch of money, by the way. Here's some cool stuff. Thank you so much for being you, Robinson. It's because he found God. That's why he was so rich at the end. I guess. I don't even. I don't know. But then, so then we're treated this thing. He's like, well, I had like this really strong feeling that I should not go back to England by boat. So he went by land. Wow. I wonder what gave him that idea. Like, I wonder. Yeah. I wonder how he picked up on that, that he should not travel. It by only boat. took him 30 years, but he got there. And eight shipwrecks. Um, he has to go through the mountains in winter. And they're like, but there's a lot of snow. So they get this guide and the guide's like, I know the secret way. But then they, the guide ends up like getting bitten up by wolves and probably succumbs to his wounds because they abandoned him. They're like, well, he did good. But then we had to get another guide because that guy got too bit up by the wolves <laughs> that we like stupidly drew attention to ourselves by. And like, oh, it's <laughs> whatever. And so he gets to England. He gets a wife. She dies. He's got a couple of kids. One becomes a sailor, and eventually he's like, I'm going to go back to that island and see what happened, and now it's like a Spanish colony, and it's cool, and he's like, and then I'll tell you about my adventures in the next book, and I'm like, fucking, you're 60 years old, what other, (laughs) what, why is this a series? (laughs) Just die, just fucking die. Please, we're begging. The last chapter of this was so, like, just incomprehensible to me in terms of like why it was there what it because it's like the last two or three chapters were like i've gotten off the island right i think it's like the last two chapters and the second to last chapter is like got back to england found out all the situation with my money figured out like what was going on with my family everything was chill and then like literally chapter 20 is like titled something absolutely buck wild like friday fights a bear i think is the title yes of it. which he does to to many giggles which like that's not what the chapter's about anyway but the fact that that's the title of the last chapter is great nothing else exciting happened in it but like all of the stuff that happens in the last chapter i'm like why none of this was relevant to the plot and i know that we don't understand plots yet because this is the 1700s <laughs> but like you you had a conflict. The conflict was resolved. You don't need to do another conflict in the last you chapter. You don't need to come with this bullshit conflict. What's happening? Oh, my God. I, I don't care that the old white man didn't know what to do with his life now that he was no longer shipwrecked. I don't. I Even that stuff was resolved in the prior chapter. It was That's like true, yeah. the last chapter was just like. And I still didn't really know what was going on. And I didn't, you know, change that opinion in any way in this chapter. And maybe I will in the next book. Like, it was all to set up the sequel. But it's like, you didn't have to do that. No, not. You You don't have to keep writing. 
You can stop at any moment. Just put down the pen, walk away. Even if you wanted to write another book, you could have ended it the chapter before and done the same stupid thing of like, and I look to the yes. future, but you'll have to wait and read about that in book number two. Because it was so ham-fisted. <laughs> Find out next anyway. time. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God, it was so It was bad. very, extremely bad. It just, I wanted to die. It was at that point where I lost most lost the biggest will to live like i think i probably lost the most will like somewhere around all of the corn talk when he was talking about yes, the barley and the rice too. and just like how he planted it and, and then- i thank god for because at first at first i thought like you know this was just a random occurrence but no then i realized it was god that gave me this corn because i had to look over every square inch of this island to see if there was any other corn but then i upon finding none i also realized that it was from when i shook out that bag of bird seed (laughs) and so i tell you (laughs) so i tell you i had barley and rice but i'm going to refer to them both as corn because i'm british (laughs) But that was Robinson Crusoe as a slog. We made it, though. We made it to the other side. Oh, boy. So, you want to know what I don't like about the genre? (laughs) This is it. Tell me. Just the whole thing? (laughs) Yeah, no, I, like, this, the repetitive nature of it, like, I get it. I get it. You need shelter. You need food to survive. But, like, why does it got to be the same thing every time? Like, it's the same exact thing in in um the hatchet it's just like this this obsession with these small details that no one cares to read about but we all pretend is really great for some reason i just bleh bleh just gloss over it just say like one example of a hard time you had to find food and then bleh that's it all right so moving forward as i will be trying to find a book in this genre, which I think I am probably going to try to stick to a Robinsonade since that's what we, yes, that's fine. you know, um, what would you like to see in a future book? What should I be looking out for? I would like to see something where there is more interaction with people. Like we did two books where the character is solitary for very long periods of time. Um, I, I would like dialogue. Okay. <laughs> book. I would like to see maybe multiple people get shipwrecked together or one person does, but they, you know, find the help of a local population or a native population much sooner and they work together. Just something less solitary, mm-hmm. something a little bit more plot driven okay. as opposed to like detail oriented, I guess. Um, and I don't know. I, I do I do like the island setting more so than the wilds of of um Canada, but you know, I'm not too picky about the setting. But so if that's not too hard, that's all I want out of these survival books, man. I've got a couple ideas, but I gotta look into it a little bit more. I'm not hundred okay. percent sure of where I'm gonna go with this because man, I'm really starting to hate this genre too. <laughs> Isn't it terrible? <laughs> you were like, Oh, I remember liking Hatchet. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you idiot. <laughs> I might I might in our off time I don't think I'm gonna pick it as your book because I think it does not fit your criteria but I might go like reread some of the other ones I read as a kid like Island of the Blue Dolphins and see if those hold up oh yeah see. maybe she talks to the dolphins <laughs> anyway uh what books would you recommend reading piggy or jumping off of this book that we both mm. disliked rather a lot <laughs> Well, I think my, okay, so if you do want to go from this time period, um, my favorite book from the 1700s, and I use this term very loosely, I don't really have a favorite book from this time period because everything was just a little bit wiggity whack. <laughs> but um, I remember reading and being assigned for class and reading uh, Fanny Hill or Memoirs of a Woman of Pleasure by John Cleland. Cleland, Cleland oh, I gotta look it up. I don't remember exactly the mm-hmm. author. But it's basically the first erotic novel ever written. It's about a woman who is kind of tricked into becoming a prostitute, but then finds out she likes having sex. So she has a lot of it with a lot of different kinds of people and women, men and women. <laughs> um, and yes, there is a little bit of that whole like, mm, look at this debauched woman but there's a lot of great euphemisms for the word penis and a lot of it's just porn guys it's just (laughs) old-timey porn so 
there's that one. Um, but for like an actual book this reminded me of, it had some uh, The Princess Bride feels mm-hmm. by William Goldman, which gives, I don't know, there's this whole like going on a ship, having the ship destroyed, and then coming back years later, all a Dread Pirate Roberts. And um, it's a fun adventure novel that doesn't suck. And the movie's fantastic. And the movie is, this is definitely one of the cases where the movie is better than the book. Like, the book is still funny, but it's just, like, so, so funny. The the movie is uh, You're going to get comments about that, I feel like. That's fine. I will just, I will, I will sit there and I will recite every line of the movie to you because I did watch it enough as a child to have it memorized. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but yeah, so it's the, basically the conceit of the book is that it's like this guy S. Morgenstern wrote a very long and boring book that had tiny bits of this fun adventure novel, um, dispersed within it. And this is the, uh, quote unquote abridged version where it's just the fun action scenes and some funny commentary from the author about this made up book. So cool. there you go. How about you? Um, so God, I don't think I've recommended a single novel this year. <laughs> Um, go on tell us what graphic novel it's not a graphic novel this time but it is okay uh not a novel either uh i was reading this and it kind of put me in mind of like how you know kind of the stuff we're talking about that is like oh it's this really famous book and like it's like kind of canonized and like treated with reverence and like that's kind of bullshit uh-huh it put me in mind of the book text from jane Erie by Daniel Mallory Orberg, which is just a collection of made-up texts from famous literary characters and figures. Um, nice! So it's just making fun of basically all famous canonized literary characters and figures in a loving, you know, way. But yeah. just making fun of it. And it's obviously a very quick read because it's all in text format. So it's just, like, different. Like, there's, like, a Medea section and, like, there's, like, Hamlet and there's, uh like, William Blake and things like that. So it's just, like, if you are an English nerd, but like mm-hmm. also okay with making fun of literature. It's a, it's a quick fun you read. should be. <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, I hope you <laughs> if are. If you're listening to this podcast. Yeah. So I'm going to, uh, that's going to be my, my pick for this week. And maybe next, maybe next uh, episode where we have to recommend a book, I'll recommend an actual novel. <laughs> well, speaking of next book, oh, yeah, that going to be reading. Uh, you do. We do have um, M's unit on magical realism still to get to, um, and like this episode was that is going to be um, an example of a book from the genre that is more considered a classic or a good representation of it. I don't want to say like the definitive mm-hmm. book of the genre because we're not going to be reading that one. I'm sorry, Gabriel Garcia fans, <laughs> Gabriel Garcia Marquez fans, but it's too long. <laughs> 100 years of solitude is too long. And I already made us read that long ass altered carbon book. So I'm out of like long book good graces at the moment. <laughs> and then I was also going to suggest one of his other books, but then I was reading a synopsis and I was like, ew, there's parts of that are a little bit icky. And I, we would already dislike it for those reasons and not because of, whatever is going on with the magical realism aspect of it. So I was like, fuck it, we're reading another book that is also known as a very good example of this genre. Long story short, Like Water for Chocolate by Laura Esquivel. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah, um, that's been on my TBR actually for a really long time. So I'm glad that that's uh, oh, good. the one that we're doing. Maybe we'll like this book. And I feel like, yeah, you know, reading, reading the um, good example shouldn't always feel like a chore. Mm-hmm. So... Hopefully this one does. Yeah, I don't think there has been so far. We've struck out pretty hard on the good example. Pretty hard, yeah. (laughs) Because we had what we had: altered carbon. We had uh, Uh, that terrible new adult one. Losing, yeah. um, And then this, and then this, yeah. So three for three. (laughs) So please, (laughs) like water for chocolate, please. We'll see. see. (laughs) Um, That's going to be two weeks from now. Next week, we will be doing another Animorphs book. We are going to be reading Animorphs. Morph Monday. Num- yeah, Morph Monday. Uh, Animorphs number 14. Um, the Toilet. I, think so. I can't remember what the actual title is. The, the Unknown Toilet. <laughs> <laughs> no, no spoilers. Yeah, we, we already unknown. spoiled that one. <laughs> we can't. We can't. That book is that book is too, like, remarkably bad. <laughs> Guys, 
We were so we were so happy to be reading a Tobias POV. And then Cassie just then... came along. All of her subjects. God damn it. God damn it, Cassie. <laughs> oh man. Um, in the meantime, if you would like to send us a book that you either loved or hated and you want us to read it and cover it on the podcast, you can tweet at us at shelfawarecast or email us shelfawarecast at gmail.com. As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. We are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should because you should. You should. <laughs> you, just you don't should. need a reason. I'm running out of reasons yeah. why you guys should love us. <laughs> do it. One click. Come oh, on. Oh, man. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd very much appreciate a five-star review. But if you don't use Apple Podcasts, it's okay. Because you can talk about us anywhere you like on the internet that you think other people might also read. Help us grow. Do our work for us. Okay? <laughs> We're bad at social media. (laughs) In the words of Daniel Defoe, Mine was the middle state, or what might be called the upper station of low life, which he had found, by long experience, was the best state in the world, the most suited to human happiness, not exposed to the miseries and hardships, the labor and sufferings of the mechanic part of mankind, and not embarrassed with the pride, luxury, ambition, and envy of the upper part of mankind. Like, we get it, Defoe, you're going to vote for Biden. (laughs) God damn it. Like, it's hard to even pick a quote because these sentences are so fucking long and there's so many semicolons. And I don't want to read them again. (laughs) (laughs) My my eyes just, like, keep glazing over. (laughs)